Our people matter, says nearly every CEO on the face of the planet. Without our people, so the logic goes, we would not achieve our goals. Where are the leaders of organizations who will tell you that their people don't matter? However, there is a big difference between understanding the value of the people inside an organization and actually making decisions that consider their needs. It's like saying, my kids are my priority, but always putting work first. What kind of family dynamic or relationship with our kids do we think results? The same is true in business. When we say our people matter, but we don't actually care for them, it can shatter trust and create a culture of paranoia, cynicism, and self-interest. This is not some highfalutin management theory. It's biology. We are social animals, and we respond to the environments we're in. Good people put in a bad environment are capable of doing bad things. People who may have done bad things put in a good environment are capable of becoming remarkable, trustworthy, and valuable members of an organization. This is why leadership matters. Leaders set the culture. Leaders are responsible for overseeing the environment in which people are asked to work, and the people will act in accordance with that culture. That's the opening forward for Everybody Matters, written by Bob Chapman, CEO of Barry Waymiller. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. You may have seen the title of this show today, Winning, but Never at the Cost of Others. If you noticed, we uh, read the, uh, the, the foreword from Bob Chapman's uh, the CEO of Barry Waymiller, his book, Everybody Matters, because, well, that book really defines what really means within an organization because everybody needs to matter within an organization. Ed, so had a crazy week, huh, buddy? Uh, yeah, I think both of us have had a, had a rough couple of weeks, but uh, I think that's what makes this job unique, though, because uh, you have a lot of challenges for a couple of weeks and then you'll have a nice period. And you know, iron sharpens iron. Without those challenges, we don't uh, develop as leaders and influencers. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and I think about, you know, because, you know, we sit here and, you know, we've we've said it before. We we sit there and talk. I mean, goodness, we've been talking since, well, about an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> and we just now started recording. But we were talking about all kinds of different things. And, and, and the crazy thing is, is like what I got from our conversation and then how it t- actually ties into the show. And we didn't even mean to tie it into the show today, you know, about winning, but never the cost of others is every day we show up every single day. We still try to give it our all. We, you and I just made the, both made the comment and that we really don't care about our evaluations anymore. Right. And that's true. Like, um, and not that I really, I was never that guy. So, you know, in our field, we get a lot of guys who are like, well, how's this going to look on my evaluation? What about my evaluation? So I've never been that guy that runs around and is like, hey, I need to do this because it's going to help my evaluation. But um, at this point in my career, like, honestly, if I my evaluation isn't the best, if I'm not the top block guy, I just I can go on because, I mean, I'm kind of at the tail end of the career now, you know? Oh, yeah. And and but that's what I mean. That's kind of where I was going with this. Like, I wouldn't say I really care about it before, but now it's like 
I really, it doesn't matter what it's about. What matters is the culture that I create within an organization, how things are, just like what Bob Chapman wrote about in there, you know, with the, the idea of the environment, a positive environment will make good people great. A negative environment could turn good people bad. And I mean, and I've seen it, man, you know, like people, people don't realize like the, the effect that they have upon that organization. Yeah. And I mean, just to get back to the whole evaluation thing, I, so your subordinates suffer when you're chasing evals, not earning evals, but chasing these evals. Like a lot of times we sacrifice the, the culture, our environment, our soldiers, our subordinates, whatever, because we're just worried about getting ourselves ahead. We're not thinking about the impact that volunteering for 24 hour ops has on that soldier or whatever. It's just a, a dangerous game to play. And that's one of the things about, you know, cause you're really not treating your employees well uh, when you're sacrificing them for the good of your eval. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, the both of us, we've both seen people do that and act in that manner. I remember earlier on in my career where I see people where they will literally, all they were worried about is like, what is it that they're doing that's going to reflect upon their, their evaluation? So basically they're putting themselves before others. And the organization. Um, they're putting the organization before others. They're also, they're, they're, they're putting their needs above the organization too, because maybe the organization needs you to step back and foster a more positive climate and culture. But you're so worried about how you're going to look that you just kind of glaze over it. I've also, so my favorite person is the people that get their eval and think that they should be better than they are. And they get really upset about it. Those are my favorite people, especially when I've wrote the eval and I can support what I wrote. So what bothers me too is they, they actually believe people like in that manner and no matter in, in we're talking military wise, but there's those in the civilian sector too. They actually believe that they are winning in life and they're winning at whatever it is they're, they're trying to do career wise or, or, or just goal wise when they put themselves first and not others before themselves. They are, and, 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 or they sacrifice others for their personal gain. It baffles me at times how, Someone could literally throw another person under the so-called bus to allow themselves to become better. I I don't see where that is at all becoming better. Do you? I I don't. And I've never understood the, you know, um, just so when I went to one of the, the, the schools, one of the levels of schools that we have to go to, you know, there's a lot of competition for being the distinguished honor grad, the top person. If you get in trouble, you you're disqualified. Right. And literally, a guy who's sitting number two for this award sees another guy come in late from a break, and the instructor doesn't catch on to it. And that guy went and made sure the instructor knew so that that guy would get the other guy would get counseled and thus remove him from the possibility of honors. Like that's why, why, why? I don't understand. What does that do? That that really hurts the climate. And then when the class sees it, right? So we're in a classroom environment, our impression of you is hurt now. And one day I'm gonna work with you somewhere down the line, because it's a small army. And that's what I know about you is that you were very snaky about how you become the distinguished honor grad. That right there, that makes me think back at something we talked about before. You mentioned about the common enemy. I think there are two types of common enemies. 
There's the positive common enemy who creates positivity by making themselves the bad guy in that manner. Like like your former first sergeant, who is now a sergeant major, where he's like he basically made himself the common enemy that everyone wanted to beat, but out of a positive climate. Right. Versus the guy like that that you just mentioned, who is a negative common enemy, and he literally just put a target on his back. Yeah. For the entire class. Yeah, absolutely. I just got angry thinking about that, by the way. <laughs> I was not the other guy at that point, but because it's just snaky. I don't like snake type people like that. Exactly. And and the funny thing is, is like you still have a negative thought about like that person. And it goes back. I mean, how many years does that go back, Ed? Uh, about nine <laughs> nine yeah Yeah. you're not holding the grudge it doesn't seem like but it still makes you mad about it so that person if you ran into that person today when you see them it's not going to be that positivity if you remember correctly we talked about um when we were going over that last book the science of likability right and with that how you create the positive image every time somebody sees you so you talk about something positive that happened to them and then every time you see them, you kind of bring it up and it creates that positivity image. Well, this guy basically did that to to your group. So now anybody that sees him, or works with him, they're going to, that, that were a part of that, that, that classroom or whatever it was, they're automatically going to have a negative thought about him. He's already got that predisposition of he's a bad person. He shows up to a unit, right? Let's say, and let's, uh, I don't know. He's what, you think he's E78 by now? Uh, I know what he is, but yeah. <laughs> we'll just go, uh, let's go E7. Okay, let's just say he's an E7, right? He shows up to a unit where there's at least one more person that was in that class. He shows up to that unit. Automatically, you watch. You would see whoever that one person is. He'd probably tell his battle buddies, the other E7s in here, hey, man, watch your back for that guy. 100%. He, throw, he will throw you in a bus. I watch him do it at a school. So, boom, already done. Now, we can put this in civilian context, right? You work at a company. Uh, somebody throws somebody else under the bus to get ahead at that organization. Maybe they're a manager. Maybe, you know, maybe they run a small section, whatever. And then you happen to quit that job or you move on to another job at another organization will just happen to be that guy shows up to the same place. Now, is it the right thing to do? No, it's not the right thing to do to say, you know, Hey, watch out for that guy. Cause maybe he changed. You don't know. Right. But inside of you, you're seeing that same negative person as before he created a negative culture and it just, it just kind of trickled along with him. Yeah. It just followed them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And people don't realize that though. And because of one thing, they put somebody, they put themselves first. They decided they wanted to sort of win, which it's not winning. They wanted to win at the cost of someone else. They basically wanted to tarnish someone else to make themselves look better. That's a that's a toxic influencer, if you want to say. I feel like we may have had that discussion before too. <laughs> we have, and we you know we've we've looked it over. Um, you know we, we think back about that. That article that we've pinned by Colonel Denise Williams, and she goes through the different characteristics and the actual attributes of a toxic leader, which we are just referring to as a toxic influencer. But to me, you can't you can't have that attitude and think you're going to go somewhere. You may, I mean, you may get lucky, 
Who knows? You may get lucky. You may climb the ranks. But at some point, that type of attitude. It's going to catch you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Karma will come back around and bite you. <laughs> you know, Murphy, we like to call it in the army. Murphy knows where you are. Murphy's got its eye on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's, I mean, but really, so the show is really today is about winning, but not at the cost of others. And we just talked about it earlier. Uh, you were, we were mentioning um, one of the things that I enjoy doing. When I see my soldiers throughout the day, I, I purposely go and seek out groups of people because the organization that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a leader in, we're really spread out. So I actually have to actually drive to go see them and go find them and stuff. They're not like really far away. You know, they're not like miles away, but it's far enough that I have to drive to get there within 10 minutes, you know, or, or within five minutes. And when I get there, I, I actually go and I look for these different sections that are in different buildings. And I, I purposely give high fives when I see someone. I, well, I'll put my hand up and I'll allow them because I'm, I'm not going to hit them first because <laughs> next thing you know, somebody will say, oh, you, you touched me and you weren't supposed to, you know. Um, but I'll put my hand up, has it, you know, like a high five and they'll slap my hand and giving them a smile and saying, hey, I'm glad to see you today. Just something as simple as that. Hey, I'm glad to see you today. And they usually will say back to me. I'm glad to see you too, First Army. Yeah. It's an amazing feeling. So, hey, tell the audience, Ed, what you were telling me earlier about that. So I actually read an article in, um, on the website from the Green Notebook, and it was talking about leadership lesson your your parents taught you. And, and it basically was they taught you to say thank you. Like we've all been there where they've said, you know, somebody gives you something. Oh, Halloween. Somebody puts some candy in your bag, and then you stand there, and your parents go, what do you say? And you say, thank you. So that's gratitude. Yeah. And um, so I started doing an experiment. I was just curious because we all, you know, people do something for us. Uh, cashier makes change. They hand us the change. We go, hey, thanks. So I started making sure I make eye contact and watch them as I say a little more of a, hey, thank you very much. Or they'll say, hey, have a good day. Yeah, you have a good day, too. Thank you for your help. And you can see expressions change on their face when they, you give them that gratitude. And it seems like, okay, well, the Walmart cashier sees hundreds of people on a shift, but watch how other people interact with them and how many people you see that actually say, Hey, thank you. So when you do it at a Walmart or an Arby's or wherever you're at, the response is different because they're not used to hearing it. And I do it in a hallway. You know what you were saying? I do the smile thing. The organization I work in, there's very few junior uh, soldiers, very, very few. Um, so one of them, he walks by my office every day. And every day when I see him, I say, hey, good morning, Sergeant Stevenson. How are you this morning? And just that. Now, he literally will walk by my office. And if I'm busy and don't see him, he will walk into my office to shake my hand uh, on his way to his office. So I thought it was an awesome impact. And, and it all came from that article. And just being gracious and has some gratitude about things. And that's an example of putting people first for winning. That's and that's exactly how we win right there. That because it's not that you're you're not gaining anything real. I mean, you're you're gaining some gratitude, right? You're gaining some uh, you're gaining some little bit of happiness inside. So yeah, you are gaining. Some, but what's really gaining is the organization. The organization is gaining a happy employee, somebody who wants to be there because they're glad to see you. 
right? I told you how many times have I told you, Ed? You're you're like you're you're contagious as all get out. <laughs> I'm social, and it comes across as contagious. I don't know if I'm contagious. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's funny though because you you've even said it on this show before how you're you're not as social as you should be. But I'm like, no, man, you're like you're contagious. You create in a culture, an environment that people want to be around, and that's how winning happens. Influence is winning, but never at the cost of others. We win by getting others to enjoy their time with you or being around you or just wanting to do work with you or for you. Persuasion, I'm t- I, I, I say it to sergeants first class all the time. All the time I tell them. I say, you are going to get more bees when honey, with honey than you will with vinegar. Persuasion works. When you use persuasion, it works so much more than than you know saying you will do this you will get this done no man i mean come on i will crush you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i shall crush you and your family <laughs> yeah no but i mean when you really think about it that's how you win that's how you 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 put people first it's uh i can't tell you how many different times that i've i had that 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 uh, that feeling of wow man this guy just hates life and wants to make everyone else miserable around them that that's one of those ones and puts people underneath them instead of above them well that, and that reminds me of when I was uh, I think I've talked about it before I had a young when I was a young soldier young sergeant the the guy that we were for man he was so mean like just yelling and screaming and cussing and you know and and we still performed for him. But I think we so we had we we performed at a high level, but I think there was a a ability to perform even at a higher level for him that was crushed because of the way he treated us, like he belittled us and it was so disrespectful. I mean, and I think he hurt the organization because there's so much more we could have done. You know, and there were times that we were like, hey, should we do this and this? And then there would be some explicit language. And man, I'm not doing that. He don't care. He don't, you know, look how he treats us. So those are the kind of ripple effects you can have when you don't treat your your subordinates in an organization uh, with some professionalism and when you sacrifice them to look good. I was just, I was sitting here, uh, you know, and I was flipping through, listening to you and flipping through this book that I have, the, uh, the Barry, uh, or Bob Chapman, I keep saying Barry. He worked for Barry Way Miller. His name is Bob Chapman. Uh, Everybody Matters. And it's just, it's one little sentence right here. It's, it's, it's actually, there's two different ones and they're italicized. So they're, you know, just slightly, and it's only a couple words. Every human being matters and is unique. So just you let that set in, right? Every human being matters and is unique. The second one, evolution has a purpose. Oh, I, 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 you just yeah. made me think of something there. Yeah. You really did. Yeah. Isn't this why yeah. the army it's has just, changed so much? Isn't it why? Yes. Because, you know, the old way of yelling, screaming, acting crazy, that's not the way anymore. And, I mean, there's no purpose to it. So I think that the Army has evolved in how you deal with people. And that's why we continue to be one of the greatest fighting forces, you know, out there is because we did evolve in how we treat. Now, there's certain jobs that people still treat each other, in my view, questionable, but. Yeah, yeah. So when you said, when you read that, that just really spoke to me on the evolution of us as military leaders. Yeah. Every human being 
matters and is unique. Let's, I mean, when you, when you, th- okay, when you think about it, they do matter, no matter who they are. Yeah. Whether the whether they're the person and let's okay let's let's break let's bust it down to whether the you're 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 at the local uh, supermarket or Walmart and you see that person who's stocking a shelf that person matters they matter they're doing a a service they're getting paid for that service and it's something that you are benefiting from they matter they're also a unique person too and it's okay to say hello to the person who's stocking that shelf. The problem is, is people think they're better than that person. So I've, as I've improved my social skills, I've realized what I was missing out on. So, you know, we joked today that my dog had to have a European Union passport um, to travel. <laughs> but, you know, I was at- and your wife has already posted it <laughs> on Facebook. So I took her to get her passport. She had to have a rabies shot to get it. And this lady was there with a kitten and the lady started speaking to me and the old me, I would have kind of been like one word answer. Oh, okay. But instead I engaged with her and had a discussion and it, it was good. It felt good to just have a discussion. She shared her pet stories. She could obviously see how cute my pet was. Um, I shared my pet stories, but it's just that social engagement that I was appreciative of Cause her story matters. Uh, her story. She wanted to share that her cat is like three months old and it's already broken its elbow in three places and had a pin put in and all this other stuff that matters to her. Right. So when she's telling it to me, it's like, she's telling me something that's important to her, to this person she just met. And I thought, I think that that whole social interaction, so it's still out there. Social media hasn't killed it completely. Uh, she probably posted it on Facebook too, but either way, yeah, no, I just think that it's important to understand it. People, what people say matter and people matter, whether it's the stalker, which I also did for Walmart, by the way, stock shelves, yeah. or it's the cashier. I hate to see somebody be disrespectful to the cashier at a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. I, I It drives me nuts, especially if it's something like they, don't, they really don't deserve that. Like now if the waitress or waiter is rude and then the person's rude back, I'm not 100% against that because, you know, somebody else started that. But some people are rude just to be rude, and I don't, I can't stand it. It drives me crazy to be in line and somebody being snippy with the, you know, the person at the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. They matter. They matter. Yeah, they do. And and uh, I can't, and the thing is, I can't remember why I saw this. I, I keep thinking it was a Tom Hardy thing, you know, like I had a picture of Tom Hardy, and supposedly he said it. You know, it's those memes you always see on Facebook. And I was kind of hoping it was him because I, I, I'm actually doing a Facebook search right now as I talk to you. Um, I don't know if it was him or if it was um, if it was one that was done by Simon Sinek or, or – or somebody else. I don't know who it was. Anyways, what I'm getting at is knowing you it was Simon Sinek. Probably. Um, getting at you can tell. Oh, here it is, right here. <laughs> I was raised to treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy said, I was raised to treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO. It's insane how people will act as if they're so much better than that person. Let me tell you what. That person didn't show up, or no one ever did that job. Can you imagine what that place would look like? <laughs> Somebody's gonna have to do the cleaning up. What about their backstory? What's the backstory of that janitor? Yeah, that janitor is a Vietnam vet who has a prosthetic leg, 
for that they gave for the you know in defense of their country but yeah. we don't but but they're just a janitor right yeah. or we they, don't know the backstory of people yeah or they couldn't or they can't uh possibly work a real like a, a real uh physical manual labor job or or maybe maybe they're just they're just so tired of life and everything that's been thrown at them that they just want to do something that that seems to be a little bit more relaxed in a manner whatever you know whatever it is because i'm not gonna because i can tell you yeah. right now janitor work can be tough it can be tough as all get out right so, so let's think about what we and you and i are going to go through here eventually we're going to retire and be janitors you know but <laughs> but what if you do want to be what if yeah. brian says you know what i'm tired of the hustle and bustle of the military i don't need to work because my retirement my disability and stuff will cover me but i just want something just to you know, have some time. Maybe that janitor just appreciates having his earphones in and being alone and getting his work done. Yeah. And then get, and getting paid so for doing their backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, the army or the Marines or whoever he served with, let's say he's like us and he's a retiree. Meanwhile, he's already making $70,000 a year without this job. This is his hobby at this point. You know what I mean? Like, so we don't know that guy's story. That's why I say it's so important to understand that. They matter. People matter. Well, and and that's the thing. You you just said you kind of you kind of hit upon exactly where I was going with this. Is they probably didn't have to have that job, or they didn't need that. They did it because they feel like they need to work. They feel like they need to do something that's productive. Yeah. Even though they're already getting paid for retiring and and giving you know their life already you know to because I mean. I'm telling you, you you talk, you know, and, and we're, we're big veteran advocates. We're huge advocates for it. And, and it's not to take away from anybody else who, if you didn't serve in the military, we understand. We we completely understand. You've served something. You've done something. If you're listening to this show, you've obviously, you're a productive person. That's the way I see it. But we always, it's funny when you, when you, you start shaking somebody's hand and you talk to them and then you find out that they are a service member and this, and uh, they went through X, Y, and Z and, uh, and how they've, they've dealt with this. And then they found, you know, they found their love for doing th- another thing and, and it just helped them along. And it's like, wow, you know, and all you can do is sit there and listen. It, the problem is sometimes people want to interject their own story constantly, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, just, just be quiet and listen to them. But yeah, I mean, Wow. That that really got me, and then and then you mentioned that earlier too. Where evolution has a purpose. When you said that, you start you started uh, mentioning about how there's there's the people that are just like just so negative. So like they create that environment, and no one wants to be around, and they literally have that idea of I cannot wait to go to my next place. I cannot wait to get away from this. I, I hear I hear it. Uh, I hear it sometimes. <laughs> Not I hear it from other people that are talking to me. And I'm like, hey, listen, we're gonna make this the best we can while we're here together, you know? And that's that's how I feel. That's what I want. You know, just I wanted my my goal, because earlier we mentioned we care nothing about our uh evaluations anymore. <laughs> I'm getting paid a certain amount of money when I retire in like two probably yeah, two years, right at that. I already know what life is going to be like in that manner. I'm not setting myself up for anything really by doing great things uh, for the people here. It's just the fact that I I don't want their I don't want it to be miserable. You know, like that to me, that creates winning is to get rid of that miserable way of living. 
or that miserable attitude. We used to have people, all right, so PT, back in the day, physical training. We used to, have, I, I remember we had this one guy, um, he would get out front and as soon as he'd walk out in front of the formation, you could feel the desire to do something for that day literally as soon as you walked up there, just drain, go away. <laughs> no one wanted to be there. We used to call him the PTD motivationer. And everything he did made no sense. He would just make you work out to work out. And there was like, there was no goal involved. There was no uh, like overall plan. It, it just, just felt like he was just there to try to make you miserably filled with pain. Literally didn't even feel like you achieved anything. You're like, wow, this guy sucks. You know, and he- that's a, I would argue that that's an ego driven thing. So basically what he's trying to do is, Hey, look at me, look what I can do. And why can't y'all keep up with me? Those are usually those type of people that at least that's what I associate with the demotivator. I don't know if it was this guy because we weren't in the organization together, but yeah, generally that's what that guy is. Look at me, look how fit I am. Why can't you do it? Yeah, it's funny you say that, man, because now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, he he was like that period. He was, oh, I, I, <laughs> I can't, like, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say the name or anything, but I'm just like, oh, man, that guy, you know, like he really made it miserable for us. And <laughs> I will tell you this, I felt like he was one of those types of people that he was trying to win at the cost of others. I had to pay for a part. I paid for a part that came up missing. It was $1,000 I had to pay out of my pocket because it just came up missing. Oof. And what I, I was a guy in charge. I'm not, and, and he, he, this is, this is the words he said to me. He said, Oh, that other guy, you know, uh, he probably, he was in charge where you weren't here. So uh, we should charge him instead. I looked at him. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Like the thing, and I was very frank with him. Like this, there's, there's so many times I should have gotten in trouble for talking the way I did to him. Um, I was very frank with him, and I said, "You know the things he's going through in life right now." So this this particular person that he was trying to get me to charge, you know, charge for that that thousand dollar part, and I said, "I was like, how? Why? Why would you make him who's going through all this pain and suffering right now in his personal life that you would want to increase that?" By doing that to him, I said, "No, I'll I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it because I was the guy in charge. I'm the one who's going to pay for it." And you know, it's funny. He didn't even offer to help. That was the other thing that bothered me. Like he didn't even like he wasn't didn't even like offer to help. Now there was an officer that was um and and he was a good he was a good officer. He's retired now. Good guy. He looked at me uh down uh, a couple like about a day or two later, and he said he said, "Hey, uh, Sergeant Weber." Uh, I want to help you pay for that. I said, no, sir, I got this. This is not your, this is not your doing. I don't blame you at all for any of this. Um, but it, now that you say that, man, like that guy was that way. Wow. Yeah. And then I also have found throughout my career, nine times out of 10, those guys who are like physical training, physical training, physical training, they couldn't lead two soldiers down the street. Generally, I'm not saying all, but I've experienced a lot of that. That type of person, though, was not. It wasn't about like, uh, like uh, trying to, you know, how we, you and I, we go to the gym and we're trying to create progress, right? We look at doing certain exercises for that day for a progress to do to create a certain muscle, you know, strengthen this particular muscle and that, and you know, what I mean? like, like we we cycle, right? We cycle one because we enjoy it, but two, it also we know you and I both notice our cardio has gotten better. 
So it's a goal. And, and then there's also the competition parts of it. You know, like this is the type of person who would just do things and he would just do a lot of it to show that he could do a lot of it. And he had no, like he had no, like you could look at him and be like, oh yeah, you don't look like you're really that physically in shape or anything. You're just showing off in a sense. So yeah, I mean, but that's that, that's the type of attitude we're talking about, right? We want to get away from that. We want to change the culture. And that's what that's what this the show is about today is changing that culture. Any thoughts before we get into uh, four easy steps on changing that culture, Ed? Uh, no, no. I think this is going to be interesting. I, I just want to warn the audience that uh, having an impact and an influence on culture change can be difficult. So you have to be aware of that going in. But if you stick with it, you're, you'll see your impact take effect. <laughs> Ed, seriously, man, you can't distract me like this during the show. All right. So, all right. So, audience, I'm just going to tell you this dude, I'm sitting here talking, and all of a sudden, I'm probably going to edit it out of the show. You won't hear the pings because you can hear my, my iPad go off and the phone in the background go off. A bunch of things go off like ping, 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 ping. And all of a sudden, I, I move over to it. It says, Podcasting isn't easy. Ain't easy. And it's his dog knocked out. Like she is done. <laughs> she is so out. Oh man. Oh, see, that brought a smile to my face. That's putting so, so you didn't you, you definitely didn't put yourself before anybody else. Or, well, yeah, you put her first because look how restful she is. All right. Um well, she's always first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh so really what we're gonna get into with this is it's it's basically um, we I pulled this article uh, that I read. It's really short read. Uh, I love Entrepreneur Magazine. If you haven't ever checked it out, like they've got some great stuff. Uh, I get I get emails all the time from them. Um, so because I signed up for their, basically it's like the, like their newsletter type thing, and I get emails probably if not every day, every other day. And I'll I some of them I'll just I'll check I'll, I'll actually look at the email, and if it says like an article title that looks like something I would be interested in reading, then I'll keep that email. Then I'll go back and I'll read the, that article. But I love Entrepreneur Magazine because it's it's really about breaking through a lot of the walls um, that are of generation after generation or, or, or years after years, whatever it is you want to look at it, of areas that could be improved. Or it's also about like, you know, Becoming going from nothing to something um, to to you know starting your own businesses and running your own business and running big businesses and all the I mean it's just so many cool articles. I uh, did a re- I did some research about you know about, about putting employees first because that's what this show is about winning, but never the cost of others. Which means you put employees first. The name of the article is "Putting Employees First Will Be Your Best Business Move for 2018." So obviously. The article's a little dated and not really too far dated. It was uh, published January 25th of 2018 by Heather Human. When you really dig into it, it doesn't matter what year it was published. I mean, you look at uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Ooh. That was written <laughs> in the early 1900s. Like all his books, all of Dale Carnegie's books were written in the early 1900s, but are still read today as if they were something new. So got this article from Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, I'll make sure in the, in the show notes that uh, I'll put a link for it. That way, if you want to go check it out yourself. But really, we're going to kind of, you know, going to hit upon each little area that she talks about. It turns out that ethical practices play a, a role here, making a big impact on staffs. Their employees no longer want to work for a company just for a paycheck. 
In fact, Just Capital's survey found that nearly 8 out of 10 Americans would be willing to take lower pay if they perceive their company to be just. Meaning, they have good, ethical, moral ways of operating. They have values, right? Employees, in short, want to be part of a company that makes a positive impact on society and its employees' lives. They want leaders to make their experience a priority. So leaders make their experience a priority. So how I create the atmosphere as the leader will help that employee to stay engaged in the work that we need them to do. So I don't have to worry about the work, right? I don't have to worry about that stuff. I need to worry about the employee. I need to worry the subordinate, as we may call it. I need to worry about the person who is unique. We talked about that, who is unique. I need to worry about them. Everything will take care of. I mean, Ed, how many times have you ever heard, take care, take care of the soldiers and the, they'll take care of the mission? Oh, I mean, it's in our, it's in our creed, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, well, it's not that it's not said that way, but it's it's ish. the way it's explained. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah, it's ish. Like you know, knowing your soldiers always place their needs above my own. I'm sure that's I've seen that written somewhere. Um, <laughs> that's what I was actually thinking about as I looked through the article. I'm really thinking about this is where when we talk about veterans adding to the business community. This is where you can see that value because we are, this is drilled into us. The moment we become a leader, that creed, or even before we become a leader, we have to learn that, that creed and it's in there and and the importance of soldier first, soldier first. Well, okay, well let's change soldier out for team member or subordinate, whatever your choice term is, but it's still placing those under your care first. They're the your priority. And I'm not saying like, hey, my wife has this banquet going on tonight and I need to support her, but my coworker or my employee has this banquet going on as well. All right. We're not we're talking about a little bit more serious uh than that or a little more in depth. Yeah. Well, so it's funny, um, you, know, you know, before I actually read these off, when I when I read through this, Ed, I literally said to myself, Wow, this is how I was taught to operate. This was how I was taught to be a leader, how I was taught to get things done in the military. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And then I think about it, it's like, to me, we're already winning if we know this stuff and we're we're practicing it now because for people like you and I who are getting out, and and the thing is, is there's kids that get out every day, you know, and it's, it's sometimes it's sad and other times it's like, hey, you know what, that's the right thing to do because you have something else that you could probably be doing better than this. It's just crazy, man. Uh, so right, right off the bat, number one, we're going to do create unity through caring. Caring, <laughs> it's a funny thing because people will act like they care, but do they really? Do they really care? No. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. You know, Or sometimes it's just like, eh, I'm just going to listen to this person a little bit and then they think I care. No, you have to actually know what's going on with them, right? <laughs> you laugh. What, what, what do you laugh for, Ed? No, just your, your exal just pretend that I care. Because yeah, <laughs> um, you do see it. Yeah. But you do see it. You see people who genuinely do not care and they just feign it. And it is 
so obvious. Like it's not, they're not fooling anybody. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it from my peers as senior leaders. I've seen my peers pretend they care, but when it comes down to it, they really didn't. And just trust me that the caring, this is where I think a lot of uh, loyalty is driven because when your subordinate knows that you care. So I, I don't remember if I've talked about the, I had a subordinate and you know, his wife went into labor early and I went to the hospital with that soldier and I hung out with that soldier as his child was, you know, they were like, Oh, we're not sure that he's, you know, he's going to make it. But that moment, that moment standing shoulder to shoulder with that soldier built a loyalty that here we are 11, 12 years later. And I still talk to that soldier. And if I needed something, I could still reach out. That soldier would be there. Like it, it, you, you get that loyalty. And I think caring is one of the biggest pieces of building that, that loyalty with uh, subordinates. Absolutely. Let me go straight to this article here. Many employers strive for a positive workplace culture, but with a unified team. But turning this dream into reality is a tough endeavor. People don't naturally unify. They must be led to do so. Dave Ramsey, the CEO of Ramsey Solution, a Nashville, Tennessee-based financial consulting company, said via email, get your team to buy into a cause greater than their motives. Care for your people to the point where they're willing to give up personal glory or gain for the good of each other and the good of the cause. This kind of culture of caring, as Ramsey put it, is more than intuitive. It's an action that leaders need to practice. It's a consistent way of treating the people on your team, Ramsey said. People yearn for acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Every company can creatively find a way to offer these things as part of their everyday operation. All right, so let's look at that. Those, and he, it's all A words too. I'm like, wow, A, 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 A. Uh, acceptance? approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. You can literally do all of those things in one action. You can do those things in one action. One of the easiest things to do is just smiling at somebody and say, hey, how are you today? Because you're you're pulling something from them. You could also t- let them know that you're happy to see them today. You you uh you use the, those things at all much Ed acceptance approval appreciation attention and affection. Uh, well you do and and you do it instinctively. You don't even have to like. I don't have to think. Do I accept this? Do, do I approve? What really stood out for this uh, piece that you read, Brian, is care for your people to the point where they are willing to give up personal glory or gain for the good of each other. And the good of the cause. And this, my friend, reminds me of Coach Phil Jackson. Yeah. Coach Pat Riley. Coach Dean Smith in college basketball. These guys, you know, at some point they asked these guys to give up what you can do on your own and let us build this team and move forward to championships. And maybe that guy in New England, I'm not going to give him that kind of glory. But um, <laughs> But that's that's I, I love saying it. Know your role and do your job. But that's what it's basically saying, though. Like these guys, you know, especially college. I already know this college team has. I already know North Carolina has a stud, and he's going to be their go-to guy. Well, I could be a go-to guy, but 
I'd rather go to North Carolina and play for Coach Williams or Coach Smith or whoever it is and be a part of something bigger because I can go to, you know, I can go to uh, University of Northern Tennessee and I can average 35 points a game and never win anything, or I can go to North Carolina, average 15 points a game and win a championship. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not a North Carolina fan. It just Dean Smith just popped in my head when I read this that part. You're right, though. It's funny how that worked out, right? You you literally you saw that part and you connected it to someone, and it was because you automatically knew of that person's attitude and how they create a culture. Yeah, it's, companies have that type of uh, attitude all the time. Look at look at how many people try to work at Google and Apple. Look how many people want to work for like the uh, the Amazon places, right? Now, I, I guess they, you know, some of those places have had their they've had their hiccups and they've had their issues here and there. But you look at it, look at the number who want to work for them, then versus those who don't. There's a reason why. Yeah, when you get in those big companies like that, like you're sure to have some hiccups. There's gonna be something, you know. Uh, everything's not gonna be smooth sailing all the time, but no, yeah, no, not every manager or leader within those organizations are. Uh, the the best the cream of the crop type people right uh, they're they're not there's they they just happen to get by um, they probably used some people uh, without somebody knowing or something and they worked their way up but there's a reason why those culture that culture is created because there's acceptance there's approval there's appreciation there's attention there's affection I mean just telling somebody you're happy to see them today. That's a form of, I mean, that's accepting them. That's approval of them. That's uh, showing them appreciation. You're giving them a little bit of attention. And it's a form of affection, right? It's a personal, it's a, literally a personal statement to someone else, right? Now, if you're somebody who doesn't know how to be personable, because there, there are people like, hey, how are you today? You know, those type of people, man. Yeah, I got it. They they don't know how to they don't know how to relate to someone. <laughs> there are some people that just really like my son. He I love him to death, and he tries his best. Like he'll t- he'll tell me he loves me and stuff. But like it, you can tell like he doesn't have like a huge emotion. Like he does have emotional connection to things, but so like if he is completely engaged in something else, especially like if it's uh Minecraft, like his, yeah, yeah, his iPad or something. You know, if he's playing a video, like. He couldn't show you one lick of emotion whatsoever. It's like completely robotic. And he's like, yes, I love you. <laughs> I've actually had full conversations with my man, Ethan, while he was playing a game in your office one time. And like, he answered everything I had to say. He just, there was zero. It was very Ben Stein of him. Yeah. When he yeah. answered because he was so into his game. It's funny you mentioned that, but yeah, him and I had a moment like that before. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And, and, but there are people in this world that that's actually how they function. And that's, you know, and that's why, you know, I, and I have, I've, autism has opened my eyes to a lot of things, how to relate to people. Now I can kind of like tell, uh, certain types of, uh, spectrum disorders, you know, uh, and the way they look away from you or just, they don't want to touch or they don't want to be like, they don't, they don't want to engage in conversation. Like those are the types of things. And I understand that. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to engage them. I don't care. I'm going to engage every single person I come to. And earlier, you mentioned that like with a cashier and and, and making eye contact with them and kind of like really like literally being not over the top, but like basically making it personable. It Sometimes I like to look for the person who looks miserable 
just so I can be nice to them in line. You ever done that before? Oh, it's funny uh, you say that because so I was traveling for work and I had to change my flights and I called the lady at the Sato Travel Help Desk and I was very jovial with her, very, you know, interactive with her, made a few jokes. And at the end, I said, hey, you know, and, and I don't recall her name. Let's call her Susan. I said, hey, Susan, you've been absolutely helpful to me. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And she said, well, Mr. Haley, I want you to know that you've absolutely made my day today. Like I had enjoyed this call. Well, that's an impact for the rest of her day. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and because of what? Because I made a little joke about my flight or just being nice. It's it's really not hard to be nice. I'm finding that as I continue to work on myself, uh, that it's not that hard to be nice. So. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. So let me finish up this little section of the article. Uh, too many leaders preach this worker first concept, but they fail to put their money where their mouth is. The best way to turn this concept into reality is to start a culture committee and include employees from all levels. Your culture committee can plan culture building activities, establish policies, and hold everyone accountable to the company's core values. The committee can help leaders align their daily practices with the larger vision of the company and the spirit of their company's culture. So what you're doing is, is you're you're basically you're getting people from all different areas at and, and, and I hate to call, and I've always hated this, call it different levels, you know, because the newest person in, they may not be uh, paid the, you know, the same amount as the person who's been here forever. So it's different pay levels or whatever. You know, it's, it's the same thing as like, I don't like to call it lower enlisted. I just like to call it the junior enlisted, right? Because no one's lower than I. Um, I. I don't like that. I just, it drives me crazy. But taking people from different areas, different aspects, different jobs, so they can understand how they can create the culture to basically define the company's vision and values. That's one of those things where we don't do quite as much in the army because we already have it kind of built for us. Right. And I think that's why we don't do it because we, we do already have, I mean, we have like what we have MRT. We have, we have the sharp program, the EO program, um, you know, we even we even have to do like a training here. It's like about the army values so to refresh your training and stuff. But we already have that. So it's kind of like we already have that training built at times. I don't find it's as useful. You know, you know what I'm saying, Ed? Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm a little torn on all that extra training that we do because I think that there's not enough support at the senior level. And as long as so it's a top down effect. If the senior level doesn't seem to take it serious, then it's just going to trickle to those lower echelon soldiers. So that mm-hmm. that's always been my kind of. Yeah. But we do. I mean, it's there. It just feels very check the blocky sometimes to me. Like, oh, yep, they did training. But did they learn anything from the training? Yeah. And so recently. Um, so, you know, we don't have to. No longer is there like the one hour requirement for this or one hour requirement for that. So we used to have this thing, audience. Um, if you're part of the military, you already know this. If you're not, then you'll find out. Basically, you used to do like one hour requirement per quarter of sharp training or one hour of MRT training, basically master resilience training or one hour of equal opportunity training, all these things. Now we don't have that requirement to do that one hour. Now we just are required to do a refresher training of what length we feel on all of those topics at whatever time. So one of the things I did, Ed, 
because I am already EO qualified and I've gone through enough sharp stuff that I understand sharp and I, 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 as the unit first sergeant, I should be able to train sharp or, and then we also have to do the army values thing. I take all three of them of those three and I literally mesh them together because I truly believe if you look at, let's just, let's just say across America, right? You look at the people that, uh, that, that create a sexual assault or sexual harassment, right? At some point, I truly believe you could tie that back to lack of values. They've lost touch with some type of values or they didn't have values. They didn't follow values. Uh, the same thing with like equal opportunity. Where's the values? You know, why they violated this. And I think we've gotten away. So, you know, when you look at all the trainings, right, they all are signified like towards one little area of just sharp sexual harassment program. You, everything is tied straight to that, but it's not like, okay, well, how do we relate these values that we've been learning, these seven army values to all that? Or how do you, how do you relate all three? And that's like, so what I like to do now is we sit at a table and we talk about it. That's how I do the, and I do it in small groups because, you know, I mean, that's what I learned is small groups works the best, right? The other day, I think I had, I had seven people. They're all at the table. It's me and seven others. And uh, I had a couple officers, a couple uh, junior enlisted, and I think another NCO. We got done the conversation. Uh, one of the officers, she looked at me. She says, I will never forget this training. And I said, why, ma'am? And she said, I've never had an Army training like this where we actually just sit here and talked about it. And we actually covered all the different aspects of it by just having a conversation. I said, yeah, exactly. And you'll never forget about it. And you'll be able to look back upon it and use that. And we created a culture. We just created a culture of, you know what? It's not that same boring, I'm staring at a slide, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it really it really helped out, man. So, um, but that's- That's an interesting approach. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's funny how you can tie, but in, you're an MRT guy. So I could see how you could take MRT and you could tie it into all, all of those and literally create a wonderful discussion. So I actually kind of, on topic, off topic. So there's a book that you and I are, are, are reading and, and the first chapter is about the open door policy. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, had the book on my desk and a captain walked in and he asked me about it. And then a master sergeant walked in and we had a major in the room. And we literally, the group of us, had a discussion about that one chapter. And, you know, they, they asked me before about the, you know, the podcast. And I said, and that, my friends, would have been an episode of a podcast. Yeah. Because we talked for like 30, 40 minutes about that one chapter of the book. But as a discussion, it just, it's so much more, uh, it gets you more involved and it gets a lot more buy-in, but. Yeah, so I can see how that would work in training. I kind of like the idea, honestly, that in large organizations you'd have to be creative. But yeah, but but if you think about it, man, right there, that falls in line with this whole where I read earlier about creating, a, you know, a, a little culture committee. You literally had a small culture committee right there. You had a group of influencers who could take something from that that talk, and they can go out and spread the message in their own little sections, right? And that's how you create that company culture of a positive environment that winning is never at the cost of others. 
All right. Uh, so let's move on to the next area. Goodness. I didn't realize how long we've been talking already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Number two is fuel employee growth for the long term. This one, I really enjoyed this part of it. All right. So company growth doesn't happen without employee growth. Strong leaders know to push their teams beyond their self-limiting boundaries. Groove is a San Francisco-based sales engagement platform. According to CEO Chris Rothstein, it's committed to helping employees develop to reach their own professional goals, even if that means those employees will eventually leave the company. By offering benefits like education reimbursement and one-on-one feedback meetings with employees, leaders have seen consistent staff growth. We try to put our team members into projects before they're necessarily ready, which is, in my opinion, a worthwhile risk for a company to take, Rothstein said by email. It empowers the employee to learn new things by trial and pushes them outside their comfort zone. That one right there, Ed, I I really enjoy, like that part, it just made me think more about like what I like to do to putting somebody in a situation where that they've never dealt with before, like too many times we will always go to the the person that we know can get it done, right? All the time. You, we see it a ton of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give it to such and such because, yeah, they know how to do it. Why don't you grab that person who you don't think knows how to do it and you want to grow them? Put them in that situation. Obviously, you have to select. You have to be selective sometimes because, in a sense, sometimes competence can get in the way of being successful too. You don't want to set somebody up for failure completely. But if somebody is showing that they have the competence to be able to uh, complete a task, why not give it to them and then let them run with it? Let them grow from it. It's, it's mind boggling. You know, what do you got brother? Yeah, it is. And then, so, you know, there's a flip side though. Competence can also be bad for you to be competent. So I'm going to tell you at work where I am, at some point in the process, it becomes a subordinate units, you know, area of responsibility, or there's tasks that they're, they should be planned by somebody else. But a couple of the guys that I work for are so competent that they've become the subject matter experts or schmees on stuff. That's not really their, what they're supposed to be doing. And the problem is to get to their end state, they want to understand everything. Well, they begin, begin to get so competent and understand everything so well that other people are calling them and asking them questions, uh-huh. which then ties up their whole day. So competence can actually be being a competent person can also be a bad thing because you got to be able to push back and say, OK, got it. But this isn't what I need. And and you can push them to who they're supposed to go to. Mm-hmm. And then. If that person doesn't understand, then you can say, hey, let me explain it to you and make that person more competent. That's what I would recommend. Easier said than done, though, because time hacks and not wanting to fail and there's other things involved. But I'm going to tell you, I watch these guys run around like chickens with their head cut off because they've got their hands in so many cookie jars uh, as far as knowledge that they become smees on everything. Yep. And they are run ragged guaranteed yep they're burnt out they're ready to go yeah eventually a eventually if you keep running your your star horse eventually that star horse is going to break down you can't just keep relying on the same horse 
Yep. Yep. Exactly. And and that really so that's where that falls into. You know, fuel. You're not only are you fuel, uh, fueling the employee growth for long term, but at the same time, you're kind of just saving that superstar a little bit, so they're not doing too much. And there are those who they just keep pulling it onto themselves. You know, you see it all the time. Like, oh, I can handle. Yeah, let, me, let me do that too. Yeah, okay. Sooner or later, you're going to start dropping things, and things are going to go to the back burner, and then missions are going to fail. And this, you know, no matter what type of you know, I, I like to call them tasks, missions, things like that. And and I guess in the Savannah today, may not call it that. But that when you give somebody a task, allow them to run with that. Give it to a junior person, somebody who's inexperienced, has just enough experience to get their foot in the door of it, and then allow them to kind of explore it and learn to do it. Now, obviously, you mentioned time hacks. Well, yeah, that can be a problem. Well, Nothing's better than being under a stressful situation and learning something new. I mean, I've done it before, you know, <laughs> and and you you're like, oh my goodness, I got to do all this in this much time. I, well, I guess you better learn how to prioritize, huh? Or I, you may want to learn uh, time management or talent management or all these different things, and you'd be shocked how well that they'll perform not only on that task but on the next task and the next task and the next. It's just. It's amazing watching people grow. So here at the bottom of the, the, the that section of the article, she's, she writes, help your employees create detailed action plans for their near and distant future. Take an interest in employees' objectives and hold them accountable for learning new skills that will help them build the career they want. Literally, you're asking them, what are your long-term and short-term goals? Where do you want to go? And then hold them to it. It's their goal. Why would they resent you from from you holding them to their goal? You know, and to instead, wait, people ask what it is, and they'll never again touch it. And it's like, what? What are you talking about? Right? You ever seen that? Yeah. And then, so the other thing, I mean, it doesn't say for me to dictate to them what their goal is. So there's a buy-in when we come down to something together. We do this in counseling in the military. If we come to a joint agreement, right, it's your goal, but you agree to it. So you can't be like, well, it's too difficult, but you agree to it. Like, And I'm actually trying to work on this goal thing myself right now. And a tool that I would recommend is the 100-Day Goal Journal, and it's actually by John Lee Dumas. And you could... I don't know. I like, I don't know how financing works when companies and things like that. It's been a long time since I've been in the civilian sector, but what if you provided something like that to your team? It was like, Hey, I want you to come up with a goal for a hundred days out. And then it gives them a tool to use to build towards that goal. Maybe that's something you can plan into the budget and it could help develop your employees for the long term because you're making people who can set goals and they see the roadmap to get there. So I'm thinking long term by uh, doing something like that. Yeah, exactly. I'll make sure, um, listeners. I'll go ahead and uh, if if you if you're thinking about using that 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 same thing that Ed has been uh, currently using, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. I'll put a link to it like through Amazon or whatever. Um, and hopefully, I think it's on. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. The Hundred Day Gold Journal by John Lee Dumas. All right, I'll, I'll add that. I'll add that if you want to click on it, and then you can go in there and get you one of those and try it out, or or maybe get something for your team. You know, I mean, doesn't hurt to spend a little of your hard earned money that <laughs> your team probably helped you earn that, right? And spend some of that money towards them and give them something, you know, in return. You know, um, and 
you'd be surprised sometimes, like, you know, how things turn out. I, I just said, we just had to change of command and my commander who, uh, was here. I mean, I, I really, I enjoyed it talking to him and he's, you know, generally he was a really good person who wanted to do right by others. And, uh, guess what book I bought him at the three meter zone. No, no, not that one. Uh, it's another book that we both have stream ownership. No, the other one. Dichotomy of leadership. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, got him. <laughs> he said, "Thanks for the book." And I said, "Oh, have you started reading it yet?" And he said, "No, not yet." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." And I and I, and I I gave him like a brief synopsis of how the book's broken down, and I thought, "Okay, yeah, you're gonna like this, man." Wait till you start reading it; you probably won't put it down. So, really good book. Love that book. All right. Um. So we talked about those first two areas. Let's get into the third area. The third area is put people before profits. I mean, this really, to me, that's the whole show in a sense, because you're putting people before everything else. Employees working in customer-facing positions are the front line for the company. They represent the organization and its values and mission. And this means they're bound to encounter an unruly customer or client. For example, an account representative at Plural Site a Farmington, Utah-based technology learning platform, several years ago faced verbal abuse from one of Pluralsight's biggest customers. Patel, who has since left Pluralsight, was then vice president of creative content there, recalled finding out that this customer was breaking one of the company's core values. I fired him as a customer. All right, let me stop right there. He said, I fired him as a customer. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you like I fired him as a customer. Like, how do you even do that, right? It, but it's it's not as hard as you think, right? Let me read on. Said Patel, who during this time at Plural Site worked on integrating his former company, Digital Tutors, which had been acquired by Plural Site. I wouldn't tolerate anyone disrespecting my employees. At the time, Patel added. He had no idea how to make up for the accompanying loss of business, but that wasn't his priority, he said, refusing to bend your values no matter what. Despite losing the account, Patel wanted to accentuate the company's devotion to its staff. The lesson? Employees are more valuable than abusive customers with deep pockets. Man, that says a lot, doesn't it, Ed? Yeah, I don't even know Patel and I have a respect for him for that. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, to me, it's you, you, I mean, you know, that, that, that there's that old saying of, uh, you know, the customers are always right type situation, but what, what happens when the customer's not right? What, what happens when the customer is unruly or they're just being uh, a nuisance? We talked about it earlier. Sometimes they're just rude for no, like, they're rude to be rude, and it's just I, I like I said I hate to see a cashier take abuse, and they didn't do anything. Like it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Sometimes they're rude to be rude. Yeah, and, you know, and and that's the funny thing is, is let's say this cashier is a little off today, right? Or you're just you as a as a customer, you don't know that because you don't work there, you don't see that person every day, you don't deal with them, you don't go home with them, but. As a customer, you act completely rude to them. 
because you didn't like how the way they handled X, Y, or Z, or they did this, or they didn't do that, or you're getting mad because you don't get your discount that you want, right? You're being entitled. Oh, I love that word, entitled. Gets me every time. (laughs) Oh, man. Me and my wife, we had quite the conversation about being entitled. Uh, And it was, she's, she was spot on with what she had to say. But, but with that, you don't know and you're treating them as if though they are a doormat that you're just walking upon. Right. Uh, You know, I I would, I would, I would love one time to just go to Walmart and see some, you know, some of the Walmartians who are rude as all get out, who are entitled to (laughs) everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, To watch those individuals get told, can you please leave the store and stop treating our employees like that? I'm telling you, man, I would, that would be the day. That would be amazing. I, I challenge, yeah. I challenge the Walmart crew to do such I, a thing. I've, uh, I got a good example of not handling this correctly. So I was at a restaurant in Savannah, Georgia. And what happened was the restaurant had recently been sold. Right. But in the deal, the old owners were told you can still come here and eat for free. Not a big deal. Okay, that's good. Like they had owned the restaurant for a while. Well, what was happening is these former owners were coming in and they were treating the staff like garbage to the point where my waitress didn't come out with uh, with my um, dessert. Right. So she doesn't come out. And I'm like, what's going on? I asked the other guy the, who I didn't know at the time. He's the shift manager. They had been so rude to her that she had went to the bathroom to cry and the shift manager had told her to take a few moments to gather herself. Excellent response, by the way, by the shift manager. But somebody should have said something to them. And, and he said that it had been going on for ever since they sold the place, like months earlier. They would come in and they want VIP treatment and everything revolved around them. So, you know, I got it. You you had a deal. But at some point, somebody needs to say, well, you're not going to treat the staff like this. And, and, and it's just uncalled for to make somebody go cry. You're not even the owner anymore. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I just think that's an example of somebody not handling. Now, I have been at Walmart and I've seen customers speak to other customers who are being rude. I've seen that. And it's not that hard to be nice. I mean, doesn't Patrick Swayze say it the best in Roadhouse? Be nice. I'll tell you when not to be nice. Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny, you know. Um, uh, my wife, she watches a lot of movies uh, that are, you know, kind of geared towards more the feminine side in a sense. Uh, do, have you ever seen Devil Wears Prada? I have not. You have not. All right. So I challenge you to watch it. You probably only get through part Absolutely of it. Not. I, I'll sit there and watch things <laughs> with my wife. You know what I mean? Um, just because if she wants to watch it, I'll do it. Anyway, so in that movie. Yes, we watch Marvel marathons, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, we do too, but you know, it's like give and take, right? Um, so in that movie, the the main actress, uh, there's Anne Hathaway, uh, and she's basically an aide to this mogul fashion designer. Uh, and I think it's Meryl Streep, I want to say. Is it Meryl Streep? I don't know. No, it might not be Meryl Streep. I can't remember. Anyways, the, 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 the fashion lady, uh, She's like a total, you know what, to everyone. I mean, just, you're just, are you kidding me? Like, she walks all over people. And Anne Hathaway is one of those people that just gets walked all over. And she starts, she starts changing a little bit like her too, right? Well, towards the end, 
there's this cutthroat part, right? Like basically the fashion lady, she's cutting people's throats and doing X, Y, and Z so she can stay in her current position. She doesn't get let go of. And really she does it because she enjoys the attention that she gets and how she's made feel important. But all I can think about is how sad is that? Like, did you have to be that way to someone just so you can still have that feeling? At some point, just like I said earlier, at some point, you're not going to have that anymore. You're not going to have that. And now you're going to be lonely and empty and and completely worthless to anyone else. You know? Yeah, no, I I, I think I've seen my wife watch that movie. I haven't seen that movie, but yeah. I, oh, dude, just watch it. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada. It's kind of funny in parts, but you, I, I question... I, I don't know. I think it was Meryl Streep. I can't remember. Anyways, I question her. Like my whole time, all I can think is like, I feel bad for her because she thinks she has to be this way. And, you know, she's just a total, I mean, man, I don't know how many times I've seen it in my, my wife watch. And I'll be like, I just want to smack her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've heard somewhere before too. Something about treating others the way you want to be treated. Or something. That's gold. I think I've heard that. The golden rule, my yeah. friend. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. All right. So I think that's in a really old book or something. <laughs> it's a great book. Probably one of the best. All right. To demonstrate this rule and what we mean by people put people before profits. To demonstrate this rule at your company, share your commitment to your company's values by starting a values in action recognition program. Every week, publicly praise employees who exhibit and practice company values. Oh, man. That's like groundbreaking, isn't it? Publicly praise. What? I thought it was praise in private. Maybe not. I might have that wrong. No, but absolutely not. You publicly praise. Yeah. Why do we have award ceremonies in the military? To give them credit. We're publicly praising. Yeah, we're publicly praising people. I told my NCOs at a, a recent non-commissioned officer professional development that I did actually last month. I called it P4. Praise in public, punish in private. Now, I don't constantly like it to be, you know, the punish part, you know, like basically discipline or, or, or create standards, you know, but don't do it in front of everyone. I don't, I'm not fond of that. I used to be, I, I really was. And I feel every time I think about it, I feel like garbage for it, but it's as easy as, so, uh, you know, what's really cool uh, that we have our, end, we have our end of week formation. Sometimes we don't do it every week. We allow the sections because we're so spread out to do their own. And, and I mean, we have enough seniors that they can all do their own, but like, for instance, just yesterday uh, we did our final closeout formation and the commander and I, something we, the new commander, something that was being done before he carried on because he said he really felt like it was the right thing to do. And he liked it. And it was opening up the floor to anybody in the formation to publicly bring somebody up and congratulate them on accomplishments, achievements, anything they did, or just say thank you. And it's so crazy, man. Like so many people will come up and they will say, hey, I want to recognize such and such for doing X, Y, and Z. And we're really proud of them for this. And I I actually love it. I think it's I think it's great. It's because it's sometimes it's peer to peer, sometimes senior to peer, sometimes peer, uh, uh, subordinate to senior. I mean, it's just I, I pulled up two different groups of people to talk about them, you know, because of something I saw, and, and it was just it's amazing, man. So I would definitely recommend. Yeah, that's actually a, that's not a bad idea. Actually, I've I've actually never seen that in my twenty one years of military service. Never seen something like that, but mm-hmm. I could. Yeah, I'm not mad at them. 
I'm not mad at him for that one. No, I I, I think, and to tell you the truth, Ed, I think that's something I'm going to carry on. I actually, no matter where I go from here, you know, down the road, I, I think I want to keep that. Star Majors Academy. What's that? You're going to the Star Majors Academy. No, nah, I'm not trying to do that, my friend. <laughs> Retirement's right around the corner, and then I get to become a civilian. I think that that that's the right thing to do, though. You know, like if there's those of you out there who want to, you know, that's that be something really. It's easy to do. Doesn't cost anything, and it just takes. I mean, it doesn't even take ten minutes to do it. Each person that gets up there, they may talk a minute and a half, maybe a minute. That's it. So, really good. All right. So, final area. Final area. We're gonna go over. It's number four. Infuse wellness into the workday. Leaders cannot have a work worker first mentality unless they are concerned with all aspects of that worker. This includes health. One of our, our principles is prioritizing personal wellness. Carrie Allison Welco, Managing Director of Human Resources and Operations at Aculize Consulting, a Virginia-based professional services company, said via email, we infuse the theme of wellness into our culture year-round. In this context, the company hosts several wellness-themed events. These include activities like annual professional goal setting, interactive seminars focused on daily well-being, and a team-building retreat. You can do the same. Adopt wellness programs at your company and actively participate in activities and events. A fun way to engage employees is by starting wellness contests like Beat the Boss, Step Competitions, and Follow Leader Fitness Challenges. Hey, Ed, have we ever done that one before? I know that you and I have had some step things, but uh, recently on Garmin, my friend, we have had a cycling challenge. Yeah. Uh, but if we could label you for a moment, let's just call you the boss. I beat the boss. Oh, yeah, you did. You, you, yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not the boss, but you, uh, you definitely wore me out this month, man. I'm, I am, I'm a disgrace, but Shame. I'm glad to see that my man got some out of it, though. How many miles did you put in? Uh, I'm at about 300 for the month. That's what I'm talking about. That's at least 10 miles a day, right? Almost. Oh, yeah, at least. Yeah. See, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if you remember, though, there was a point in time at the Academy, too, though. We we had a few different people that were all in on the Fitbit. They that were doing the Fitbit challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the Fitbit challenge. We did a little bit of Garmin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So and I'm a competitive stat guy by nature. So it's like I must beat Brian. Yeah. No. But so let's think about this, Ed. Right. So let's say you're running a multi multi million dollar company and you've got you've got a, a good amount of um, profit from that company. Well, who's to say you don't take some of that profit? You invest it back into the company, but you're not in the company. You're actually investing it in the people, and you get everybody the smallest Fitbit there is, right? Just to count the steps, and then you create that small competition within that company. I think the small what the small Fitbit's like what thirty bucks. Ten bucks? I don't. I don't even know how much they cost. Yeah, probably, especially probably now because you know they've kind of fallen off a little bit. Yeah, I mean yeah. whether it be Fitbit, Garmin, whatever. But you get the one that just does the steps, right? And you create a group within that, you know, because you can do that. You can create like groups within whatever, and you track and you get the leaderboard. I'm telling you, you're going to see some like. Although if it's if it's a type of business where you want people sitting down and doing stuff, you you may not want to do that kind of competition, right? <laughs> um, 
But I mean, things like that, right? That creates that creates one wellness because you're getting people to move around. I'm telling you, brother, I've been using the stairs. I, I always use the stairs um, pretty much here as much as possible because like I see the goal of hitting this, you know, getting up and down the stairs and I'm like, okay, I got to get my step, my steps and my stairs for the day. But even doing the follow the leader fitness challenge, right? How many times, you know, have you done something where you want to lose weight and uh, a couple times, once or 10. Yeah. I've done it too myself, but why not? In, why not get a group of people who want to use, lose weight. And then we do this like lose weight challenge together and see who can lose the most or do this or the fat or whatever, you know, all these different things. And you create that unity. Something that I've always been curious about, because I don't know much about the civilian sector, right? I've always wondered about like actual wellness programs where, you encourage people to use a certain time of the day, like whether it be an hour in the morning or hour in the afternoon or whatever, to actually go to a physical fitness area. You know what I mean? Oh, well, it's interesting you mentioned that. So I recently visited my sister in Charlotte, and uh, she works for uh, an organization there, Duke Energy, and they have a rather robust gym on the grounds like in the lower level of the building they actually have uh a, a, and it's a nice looking like pretty well equipped gym are you going in there to compete for world's strongest man probably not but treadmills and you know steppers and and freeways they got it all in right in the building so i feel like that's a pretty good uh wellness you know motivation because you can come to work early and use it you can go on your lunch kind of like what we have as a military right mm-hmm. so i and that's really my only experience with the outside world right now is just when I get to see my sister at work, but it's right there. I have heard of companies that will say, Hey, if you know, planet fitness will give you a discount if you work for us. And so that's another kind of, kind of, you know, uh quid pro quo of working for that company. You, you know, you work for us, we can give you discounts. And yeah, so there are things out there. There are things out there, and I think probably you'll see more and more in these big major companies. I guarantee you, like an Under Armour, uh, I bet you Under Armour probably has some kind of a facility on site and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that'd be interesting. I wonder if you worked for Under Armour and you came in in Nikes, would that be a bad thing? Though, just curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a, like a huge Under Armour person too. So, and it's not like, big in Europe. I, I'm so I, upset. Like, yeah. No, the Under Armour store here is like as big as the subway at Fort Campbell, like the subway oh, wow. sandwich shop. Yeah, it's I'm like, it's so sad. It makes me hurt. <laughs> yeah, I I, don't, I mean, I kind of wish they were our sponsor. That would be great. <laughs> and they all they have to pay me. They just to give me like throw me some clothes every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, we'll work for clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know. And the thing is, is, you know, we meant you mentioned large companies, you, you know, I mean, Duke Energy is pretty, pretty big time, right? Yeah. You mentioned Under Armour, things like that. But I truly believe even small companies can do stuff like that. I mean, maybe it's walk with a boss day, right? Like we go out and we have a walk and talk. Like I heard, um, I want to say it was, oh, matter of fact, it was, uh, it was that book that we talked about, about um, great leaders. Break, have no rules by uh, Cruz. I think it Kevin is. Yeah, Cruz. Kevin Cruz. And in it, 
they actually say talk about like how to hold meetings. And one of the ways to hold a meeting is actually to be as productive as possible is to tell somebody, hey, meet me at such and such. I want to talk to you. And you literally go for a walk and you talk. Ooh, I, and it kind of like that idea. What's that? I like that idea. Yeah. Oh yeah, hey man, that book, I can't wait to. We're gonna do the we're gonna do that show on that book because there is I mean, I I literally believe we could do a show about every chapter because it's just so good, you know, and some of the stuff he talks about. But any any type of little organization, you know, and it's funny when I think about this. Uh there's a guy that I I, I went to church with back there at um at Dixon. He owns the local uh men's store, uh men's clothing store. Loving it. Tim Span is his name. Love him. And their their store is called Fuzzles. I it's a cute little store. And whenever I think of small business, I think of his store. You know, and he's told me uh, like sometimes of the heartache of it and how hard it can be because you know when you're a small business, you have to compete with these big businesses, and you just don't have all the resources they have. You know, you got to at cost and all that stuff. But I whenever I think about like incorporating something for some reason i think of his business and like i i think to myself well how can he if if it, if if it was him right and i was giving advice to him how could he do this and i thought man there's all kinds of things he could do that there in dixon tennessee you know he could say hey employees uh, today we're opening at such and such time i'd like to see you out at uh uh luther lake and uh, we're going to do a little uh wellness event and and it could be just be a walk around the lake, you know, type thing. It's just that's what I think of when I think of stuff like that, though, because even small businesses can also do stuff. It's just not big businesses. All right. So what are you thinking? And what do you think about these four steps? I think if you want to entice me to work for you, we need to talk about this gym thing. Uh no, no, no <laughs> CrossFit. I, hey, listen, if you do CrossFit, that's awesome. At least you're doing something. I'm old. I grew up in the Arnold Schwarzenegger generation. I want to hear clanging and banging, not ropes and all that other craziness. And I hate dropping weight, so CrossFit kind of. However, if you have a very robust Iron Gym, I will be up for retirement about 2022. So if you want to hit me up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just wanted to end it with a little small, short laugh, Brian. But uh, definitely a longer episode than I thought. But this was this was interesting. It was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, real quick, uh, no offense against CrossFit either. Um, I enjoy it. Um, and my good friend, actually Ed's good friend also, Jimmy Summer, has an amazing CrossFit box down in Franklin, Tennessee. Yes. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not paid spokesmen for him, but he is definitely getting after it. I watch their Facebook page all the time. They, Oh, man, they have got so many people involved. He also taught me it's not a gym. It's a box, a CrossFit box. I never knew that. Yeah, that's right. It's it, but it, what it is is it's about just getting out there and getting active, right? That's something yeah. exactly. You're doing something. It doesn't matter. You're just doing something. Now, I enjoy. I, I like the mixture of the two. I like to do. You know, matter of fact, just today, this morning, I went to the gym and I did the clanging and banging stuff, and then I went upstairs to the CrossFit area and I did some other stuff to <laughs> kind of loosen the joints. Now, I'm not. I'm not no. Spring, I'm not a spring chicken, so it's not like I can. You know, do all the stuff there. There's just some of those moves that I don't want to do. You know, I I don't like doing kip. I'm not a big kip up person, and I those freaking rings. I have a hard time with that. I'm not very good at it. So, anyway, with that, I uh, I would definitely say that we kind of hit we hit the 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 head on the nail, or as others might call it, the nail on the head. Talking about influence is winning, but never at the cost of others. 
And the easiest way to do this is constantly put others before yourself. As soon as you think, as soon as you're thinking in your mind of, oh, that'll help me get rid of me. That will help them or that will help him or that will help her or that'll help that person. That's what you have to think about. You know, what do you think, Ed? Yeah, I agree with you completely. That me thing, me, 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 me. There's no me. Yeah, you can make the word me out of team, but team is what drives your success as a influencer and a leader. Uh, Mm -hmm. The performance of those under you is a reflection of who you are as a leader. And I think that's very important to remember. Uh, Man, that that was well put. The performance of those who work with you or for you will reflect who you are. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Take care of the soldier, take care of the employee, and they will take care of the mission. They will take care of the task. They will take care of the job. Just try it. If you've never done it before, just try it and watch and watch and see. I'm telling you, it works. I know it for a fact. Now, I don't have statistics, but I know it works because I've done it myself. And you... You would be shocked. So you have experience. Absolutely, I got experience. You have experience. And I honestly, I got statistics are important, but I really think experience is a better measure uh, of its effectiveness than just statistics. So we we have experience. We got, I mean, Mm -hmm. 40 plus years Mm -hmm. of experience. Well, I mean, it falls back on the uh, the give method. Um, Instinctive influencers give experience. So um, with that, I have got nothing else for the show today, Ed. We went uh, about 134. We've been, man, we've been pulling long shows. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so think about it. Think about uh, the things we had to say today. Let us know what your thoughts are. Why don't you tell us this task, the task for today's episode. The task for today's episode is what are the things that make you want to show back up to your job? What are the, or your work? Like, what is it there that keeps you going that makes you want to be there? And I don't mean like, oh, well, because I get paid. No, 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 no. There's a re, like, you keep wanting to go because you can get paid somewhere else. It's, that's, that's, I mean, some people, that's, that's not that easy. Well, yeah, it is. You can go somewhere else and get paid. You probably get paid more. Yeah. But what is it that's keeping you there? You know, and, or what is it that's not letting you leave? You know, whatever it is. What is your why? Exactly, man. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, that'll be the task for this week. Uh, let's see what we got going on. I, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see what some of the soldiers of the that are listeners of the show would put. With that, remember, 101 Influence in your Facebook search, and that will take you straight to our uh, Instinctive Influencers podcast page. Hit Visit Group. And go in there and join our group. Answer the three questions and be a part of that. Be part of the discussions. Go back and look at some of the old stuff. If you've listened to some of the older shows or the shows previously, because I mean, you know, there's been plenty of shows before this that we've given tasks. Read some of the comments that others have made and make your own. I mean, it's it, it's a continuous thing. It's not like, all, you know, to me, I always look at it as a living thing, right? It doesn't end. So do that. Also, you can find us on, uh, you can find us in uh instagram you can find us on twitter uh you can find us at uh, linkedin each each of us have our own linkedin page and then also our website www.instinctiveinfluencers.com we talked about earlier uh you heard me mention something about a book um 
Ed and I were working on this because this this book we've we did a book uh, just recently, um, and we really enjoyed that. But this next book we're gonna do, I'm telling you, I still don't know how we're gonna bust it up. I'm looking at it, and I'm not sure how much we're gonna get into with just one show because there's so much good material. So if you haven't checked it out, I'll put it in the show notes because we've already mentioned it before. But it's great leaders have no rules uh, by Kevin Cruz. Uh, he also has a, a podcast. It's Leader X. Nope. Just um, lead so check that out. Just lead. Oh, Lead X. Lead yeah, X. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead X. Lead X podcast. L E A D. Very interesting podcast, and and they're not super oh. long episodes, but there's some very a very good one on servant leadership. Mm. You know, um, and to kind of hit upon that a little bit, I love the way he ends his shows. Just y'all go listen to one of the one of his shows. Just listen to the ending because he talks about influence and leaders. Yeah. So every time I hear it, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, is he talking about us? <laughs> so, uh, but with that, we're going to, uh, we're going to kind of get off here. Um, we had a lot of stuff to talk about there and we got a lot, many more shows that we're looking at uh, developing and creating and kind of getting into. We'll see where it goes. I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the instinctive influencers podcast. We thank you for listening. Have a great day.